Welcome to The Front Row. My name is Jeff Fellenser. This podcast grew out of my sports business media class at the University of Southern California. I'm excited about bringing to you the stories of the journeys, the journeys of some of the most interesting, compelling, noteworthy newsmakers in the world of sports business and sports media. I hope you enjoy. My guest on this episode is Los Angeles Rams defensive lineman Indomitian Sue. The NFL playoffs are underway, and though you may be familiar with Sue, the football player, and some of his ups and downs on the field, odds are you don't know nearly as much about his journey or the man himself off the field, including his decision to challenge himself with one of the most demanding college majors, his passion from childhood and building model cars, his interest in business, and friendship with Warren Buffett, and admiration for the Arsenal Football Club and Thierry Henry. Oh, and how does one grow up to be six foot four? and 315 pounds with a 5'8 father. But first things first for Sue. Try to bring the first Super Bowl championship to the city of Los Angeles. Let's get after it. It's a great pleasure of mine to welcome Ndamukong Sue, the Los Angeles Rams defensive tackle, to the Front Row podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, during the season, during the playoffs. Uh, It's just great to have you here and back on the USC campus. Thank you for having me. It's always uh, fun to talk to you. I had a great enjoyment last time I was here with uh, sharing with the classroom. I get the sense too, you, you, <clears> and <throat> I think education has been so important in your family um, for so long that, that you feel comfortable on a college campus. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you probably always will. I definitely co- co- comfortable, excuse me, on a college campus. Uh, education has been huge in my family. My mom being a teacher, my dad being an engineer, uh, my sister getting two degrees. So it's always been uh, harped in instilled in me very heavily uh, education is key and uh, so I'm, I'm good around the academia world academia world I want to get back to your family which is such a big part of your life in a few minutes but just starting with the with the NFL playoffs is an mm-hmm. exciting time for you and a return to the playoffs for you for the first time in a few years correct what's um, what does it feel like personally for you to get ready for the playoffs especially being on a team that a lot of people think has a great chance to reach the pinnacle, the Super Bowl, something that a that a Rams team has, uh, an LA Rams team has never achieved. Yeah, this year, <clears throat> excuse me, has been great. Um, honestly, being thirteen and three, uh, and then going into a playoff bye is uh, we accomplished a lot of our goals that we wanted to get uh, get taken care of. Uh, one of them we missed as a team getting that um, that number one seed, but uh, I, I think uh, things happen for a reason. So I'm excited to see how the playoffs unfold. Uh, they start today. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how, uh, who we end up playing, uh, and kind of going from there, but we've got a lot of work, a lot of self scout to take care of. Uh, and this is honestly where the true season, uh, begins because, uh, all the hard work that we put in accomplished, uh, those 13 wins and getting where our situation is now, but, uh, the real season to go and get a ring, uh, is, is the ultimate goal. So as a veteran player who's been in the playoffs before, mm-hmm. um, do you think you can help the younger players will will you let them know that there is a difference between a definite difference they'll feel between the regular season and the postseason? Oh, uh, there's without question a definite difference. Uh, the playoff games I've been into, probably the most notable one for me was in 2014, going against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, a lot of trials and tribulations throughout that game, and obviously a terrible ending. But uh, I think uh, where I took from there is is just the level of play that you have to get to where you want to be, uh, and uh, being. Most recently in the 2016 in the AFC uh, playoffs, um, playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers team that's won tremendous amount of um, championships, 
uh, you see how they approach the game and see how we approach the game and, and, and allowed to see success. So um, we got to find ways to, to continue to, to be at the top of our game. And I think this week that we've had uh, leading up to uh, the playoffs of, of a nice bye week and self-scouting and getting prepared is, is very, uh, is very good. You had a, you had a pretty quick recruiting period when you were, after you were released by the Dolphins a couple of weeks, just two weeks before you signed with, with the Rams. Mm-hmm. How, how would you assess your first year um, playing for the Rams and also coming out to Los Angeles, coming back to the West Coast and just living in LA? Yeah, living in LA has been great. Uh, it's, a, it's a great city. Uh, a lot of things to learn, a lot of things to, a lot of people to connect with. Uh, I think there's many distractions, but uh, being an older player, being able to compartmentalize those things was very key for me. Uh, and at the same time, understanding there's great nuances to be able to, to pick up on and, 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 and move forward with as uh, I have aspirations outside of football. But uh, first and foremost, you win a championship here in LA, uh, you're going to be uh, in great company. You talk about being one of the older players. You, mm-hmm. turn, you turn 32 mm-hmm. on January 6th. How does it feel for you to describe yourself as an older player? Uh, I would say it's just experience. Uh, I still feel young, still play young, uh, and have just been enjoying everything about it. Um, and the great pieces about being an older vet is that a lot of things aren't new to you. Um, so you know what to kind of expect. Uh, you know what to look forward to and, and getting ready for these playoffs. So there's a lot of things I'm looking forward to. Uh, obviously, first and foremost, who we play, but then obviously being able to break down film, having a, a year's worth of film on people that you can break down and then find little nuances to be successful. Your partner on the defensive line, Aaron Donald, finished the regular season with um, a Rams record 20 and a half sacks. It's the most in the history of the NFL by a defensive lineman. What's it been like playing next to him? And how much did you know about him before you signed with the Rams? It's been great playing next to him. Uh, He's an elite player. Obviously, he's continued to prove that and show that. Uh, each and every uh, day and, and week that we go to uh, go against teams, and it, it's gr- it's been great to be able to help him in a lot of aspects to reach his goals and and see his success uh, and things that, that I knew about him. I knew he's always gifted, uh, but seeing the way he studies, the way he focuses on certain things uh, to be successful was it was a little bit of a surprise to me, but uh, also at the same time not so much of a surprise because usually the great ones uh, and and guys that have a lot of success find ways to separate themselves and they do that in many many different ways what do you think are the most important things for him in his success like what what do you look at when you see him and how he um becomes as effective as he does and so disruptive like are are there things that takeaways for you watching him and playing and practicing with him i don't think there's a lot of takeaways for me because I, i think our styles of play are a little bit different um and he has a certain way that he likes to play i have a certain way i like to play uh, and and re- really, the the focus is is how can those two come together. Um, so it's an understanding of that he's there's things that he can learn from me and things that I can learn from him and how he looks at the game and how I look at the game, uh, and then being able to come together as one because ultimately this is ultimate team game. And so th- to have that success, you got to have all eleven players on the football field on the same page and being able to be dominant, uh, which we had a pretty good showcase showcase of that in the, at the end of our season with the turnovers and things that we were able to accomplish, which are going to be key in the, in the playoffs for us. So football, probably more than any other sport, really like teams are some of their parts. Like you, you, there's so many pieces having to work together. Mm-hmm. So working <clears throat> with a, a player like Donald, uh, do you feel like you're in a complimentary position to him? Um, does the defense revolve a little more around him or, or not? Or do you have different roles that... <clears throat> um, 
that aren't necessarily um, c- connected. I think for me, uh, how I look at it is that I'm very, very much so of a complimentary football player. Uh, I've always prided myself on that. I've played with elite guys. I think that's why guys have seen success uh, and high numbers of statistics uh, when we've, I've played with them as of the Cam Wakes of the world, uh, the Ziggy Ansas of the world, uh, Jason Jones, uh, and even collective secondaries, just the way our defensive fronts that I've been fortunate enough to play on have, have created success for the overall defense. So I, I, I've always looked at my game as complimentary, but also very effective at the same time. And not everything's going to show up that I do on the stat sheets, but there's going to be plenty of things that do show up on the stat sheets. So it's a, it's a give and take relationship that, that I think my game has. Uh, and I think Donald has a, has a great nick and knack for pat, rushing the pass rusher, as well as getting after the quarterback and, and running back uh, in, in his respective measures of how they set him up in our defense, as well as other players in our defense. And I think as a defensive coordinator, you have to be very conscious of understanding how you put all those pieces together and who you give opportunities to and who you don't give opportunities to and really people understand their assignments because football is, you got to be unselfish in a lot of respects, but also you have to be selfish to be able to be dominant. As you become uh, an older player, as you get along now in your ninth year, do you look at your performance differently? Like earlier in your career, you have four and a half sacks this year. Would that have been a number that would you would have been okay with being on the circumstances or was that, is that a number that you look at now? Like, well, my role has changed over the years. It's just the way things are in this sport. I would say I would never be acceptable with any particular number of sacks or, or tackles. Uh, true competitors want to have the most and be able to, to, to do as much damage as possible. Uh, I think when you have opportunities, you make the most of them. Uh, and obviously, uh, there, when I had the opportunities and have created opportunities on my own and different things, sometimes the ball's gone my way, sometimes it's not. And I think that's where you got to understand the game. There's uh, people want to truly understand football of it and being able to watch truly, truthfully how things play out. I understand how, how effective I am in, in the game. And I have other coaches that reach out to me that, I'm, that I've been with and coached with before and different things like that and, and continue to tell me how much of a, a dominant force I am, even though some people see one particular person being successful or some other thing. Right. So I have to tell you, uh, when, when you came to my introduction to sports media class here at USC in October. Um, I, I think that students were really blown away by a few things. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they see this giant of a man come in six, four, 315 pounds and, and, but they notice your demeanor and really more on the soft spoken side, very polite, um, all things your parents would appreciate. I know, yeah. uh, um, and just being very respectful and humble, um, and I, I just, I wonder if that is a common thing that you run into. Someone says, boy, there's, here's a guy who was, um, who's dealt with some, you know, fines and sporting news, the dirtiest player in the NFL and these things and violence. And then you walk into a room and maybe it's not exactly who they thought they would meet. And I think there's a lot of, I think <clears throat> there's a, there's, there's a really valuable takeaway there about sort of the idea of uh, having preconceived notions about someone before you meet them. Yeah, I think having preconceived notions is is what people want to have, as well as having an opportunity of people understanding that they, they look at for the media to give them all their answers, uh, rather than being able to take a look at somebody's life at the same time, ha- be open enough to meet them. And I, I think for me, uh, I had a, a great conversation with somebody earlier today that I highly respect, uh, that's been an NFL coach for probably 30 plus years, if I'm not mistaken. 
And uh, the gentleman made made a, a great comment to me in mentioning the the offensive guard, uh, rookie guard for the Colts, uh, and how nasty and how great of a player he is, and one of the best guards in the league right now. And I was like, one of the reasons I asked one of the reasons why he felt that I don't really watch guards too much, uh, especially rookies coming in and whatnot, unless I'm obviously going against them. This uh, is Quentin Nelson. Yeah, Quentin Nelson. Talking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, he's just he's just hungry. He's he's aggressive. He's nasty, and he's. He, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. He's just trying to disrupt um, what's going on on the defense side of the ball. And he said, it reminds me a lot of you when I had you as uh, in your in my the years that we were together and whatnot. And so to me, I think that's where when you when you're playing football, there, you have to have a mindset of being aggressive and passionate and, and playing at a very high level and being close to the edge to be successful. And I think that's where people don't understand that they expect people to be cute and nice and all these different things on the football field. But at the same time, they expect for that to be translated to off the field when that's not the case. Like I'm an adult. I know how to handle myself. I know how to uh, have a conversation. I know how to be in a particular board meeting. I know how to be in meetings. I know how to do all these different things. And that's because I've had great parents who've educated me on that as well as I've had great mentors. So being able to have those attributes as a human being, but also be able to be dominant on a football field there's levels to how you approach things. And, and that's where I think people will get misconstrued and uh, not understanding how to compartmentalize things and look at life as a holistic piece, but also being able to break it up. So has that always been the case for you where you, <clears throat> family and friends that know you really well would say, man, I, it's hard for me to see the same guy that I know when he's on the field, but they just have to realize, and I'm sure you've told them that it's it's a different deal when I cross that, those lines. has to be. I mean, I think the best article uh, somebody could most recently read is that you look at the Long Brothers, uh, come from a great lineage of, of, of family and, and Howie, somebody who I respect, who I actually just saw the other day. Uh, he's got a great son who's offensive guard, Kyle, uh, that I actually enjoy playing against. And he's got a, a brother in, in Philly and Chris Long that, uh, that's a great defensive end who's done it for a long period of time. So they're brothers. They love each other. But when they step on that football field, they're not family. They don't know each other. They're going to go after each other as they were opponents, which they are, and there's no whole bar. So that's, that's how people have to understand it. You, you look at a family that brothers have grown up to each other. I'm not going to take it easy on you. I'd most likely go even harder because you're my family, and I want to make sure you know that I'm the bigger brother or I'm the little brother that can beat the bigger brother. Um. I also think when I think of you, um, something that John Wooden said and a, and a great friend and mentor of mine um, about the difference between character and reputation, that character is who you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, reputation is what people think you are. Correct. And it, I think it's important to always distinguish. It's why I share that that observation with my students, that they're so... At this point in your life, you're so interested in wanting to impress people and have them feel about you a certain way that you're very, very concerned about your reputation. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as you feel true to yourself and your character, you'll know that no matter what might be said, you know who you really are. And I thought of you when I thought of that quote. It's a great quote. And it's also the iceberg picture of when you see the huge iceberg and the tip of the iceberg, you see the reputation at the very top. It's a sharp, uh, very dangerous thing. but Below it's visible. It, it's yeah. visible. And then below is that true person's character, their heart, their soul, what they're about, what they do behind closed doors and how successful and how they look at other people and how 
they want to help other people and do different things. And so those are the things that people don't know that I have and that I probably won't ever share, but that's because that's my prerogative. And also that's just how I'm built. I'm a natural introvert. <laughs> but on the football field, um, so looking back at, at, at some of those things that happened, it seemed like they were, a lot of them were earlier in your career, you know, the, um, the fines and, and uh, the, the especially rough play, not as much the last few years, you had a horse collar tackle fine this year, but, but as far as the, the things, the most publicized things were earlier. So do, do you think, is there something that, that set you off then that wouldn't be as likely to now, do you think that would have caused that? Or like, do you, can you look back and see your own evolution or difference in what you were or not? I wouldn't say so. I mean, I think there's a bad guy and there's a good guy and, and NFL chooses to paint pictures that they want to and as well as media. So for me, it's irrelevant. I, I really, something I don't care to, to bother my time and energy with. And I just go out there and, and do my particular job and, and help create success that I've been very fortunate enough to be a part of this particular year. And uh, hopefully we can continue that, that ball and, and get it to roll it all the way up the hill so we can be champions. Do you feel like looking back as a whole from the time you came into the league, the nine years, do, do, you, do you feel like you've been treated fair by the media? Uh, do I feel like I've been, I've been treated fair? I don't think I really honestly care, to be honest with you. I think that's where it comes down to is that people are going to say what they want to say and do what they want to do as everybody does. And, and, and true reporters that I've been around, the Larry Lages of the world, uh, the different people that I've been fortunate enough, uh, the Shelly Smiths, uh, I mean, I've had great relationships with the media, uh, but I've also had terrible relationships with the media because some of those folks are ignorant, don't care to do their job and do their work. And that's their prerogative and that's their way to do their job and how they view is what the best way. So I, I think for me, uh, when I have, uh, when I take the time out of my days to focus on something that's irrelevant to me, I mean, I, I'm, I'm wasting time. I think I can focus on more important things and do things that are going to be a lot more, uh, for a lot more, I would say in a, in, in a overall perspective, more fruitful in, in, in growth and being a human being and, and, and having greater focus. One of the other, one of the relationships you mentioned when you were in my class, um, a while back was that you had a friendship with Warren Buffett. And mm -hmm. I think the students Perked up when they heard that too, because uh, um, so much to be gained by his his knowledge and his feel for business and life. What, what would you say was was the maybe most valuable thing, most important thing that you've you've picked up? And how did that friendship begin? Wondering if he's a Nebraska football fan or how you guys <laughs> happened to connect. Uh, he's a great man, uh, somebody who I've been able to spend a lot of time with. Very fortunate, especially. Uh, how busy and successful he is and things that he has on his plate. Uh, I was actually with him earlier this year uh, in September. And so uh, the the best thing that I've probably learned from him is is being able to understand how to read people and look at people and take them for what they are. And uh, I think that's what he does. And he he has these particular attributes of people that run his companies that he owns, that he loves to see about them. And there's he's some, some nuggets that he's... Sh told me about and things that he's shown me and whatnot that have, have made a lot of sense of why he's had success. And uh, the relationship, very fortunate enough, started through Tom Osborne when I was uh, at the University of Nebraska. He was our AD at the time uh, when I was leaving school in 09, 010. 
and actually Mr. Buffett was down for uh, for our game against Oklahoma, and he was a, a, a captain, honorary captain. So uh, it was a great opportunity to meet him then, and then I asked uh, later on for once I got into the league, uh, after I got my rookie year under, uh, under my belt to, to meet, uh, with Mr. Buffett and he was open arms and, uh, we sat down and spoke for hours and it was, it was a great experience and something that I always continue to cherish, uh, that first meeting, but also the continuous meetings after that. And anything that really stands out about how he's, the success he's had and how he goes about, um, you know, philosophy as far as business goes or seizing opportunities that he's, he's obviously very smart and been around a, a tremendous, a tremendous amount of people that have had success as well as himself. And I think the biggest thing that he allows is that he empowers people and he doesn't just do that monetarily. He does that from a troll control aspect, but also just overall trusting and seeing these attributes in these people that have the want to, to do these jobs and be very, very successful with that. Yeah. Um, so the other the other side of it that um, I, I almost kind of think of the the two sides we talked about a little bit about the one on the football field, but the one off the field is the one mm -hmm. that that I find you know really fascinating. This part of your journey, just starting with your your first name, which means House of Spears. Mm -hmm. uh, I talked a little bit about to your dad about that and sister last week. What what is that? Um, what, what is that? What's the significance about that? Um, the significance of my the, name? Yeah. I mean, they, what's the story of selecting that house of spears that, as you've talked to your, your, your family about I, that? I don't think I had the fortunate enough enough to uh, select it, but I was given a great name uh, by my father uh, and my mother. Uh, it was come from my great-grandfather, uh, who was a police chief back in, uh, in, in Cameroon, Africa. Uh, and really, uh, I'm named after a street. So uh, that was named after him for all the successes that he had. Uh, and that he brought to that community. So it's something that I hold uh, in high regard and don't like for people to mis mispronounce. And that's the main reason why I go by my last name. Mm, okay. Um, so I had a chance to meet your dad, lovely man, 5'8", <laughs> yes. soccer player from Cameroon, still plays yep. to this day, he mentioned, or tries to. No, no, he's very successful. He plays all the time. When I'm back home in the off season, I go and watch and support him. Actually uh, just helped uh, his team uh, get their, their new jerseys for their, for their league that actually, I think just started, uh, this past week. So, uh, he's very, very healthy and loves playing soccer. And I don't think he'll ever stop until he's, uh, until he's forced. You got to drag him off the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so w would you have played much soccer yourself? Did, is that a sport that you, because of your dad would have gravitated I, to it all when you were younger? I played a lot. Uh, I grew up playing it since I was three. Uh, and then, uh, I, decided to move in a different direction and play football uh in the eighth grade uh just wanted to try something i played soccer uh out in the suburbs in lake oswego uh, back home and then obviously i played i went to school and then ended up playing uh american football uh inside the city and so i decided just to try something new and kind of fell in love with it uh did get, didn't get in too much trouble for hitting people uh so it was something that came natural uh, and it was, it was a great situation. So, uh, but I, I still kick the ball around with my little sisters as well as my dad when I'm on the, when I go and watch him and, uh, and whatnot, but it's, it's something that's pride and joy in our family. We love playing soccer, uh, or European football as we call it. Yes. I'm wondering, trying to envision you, what position did you have a favorite 
place I on played the field. everything but midfield. Uh, midfield it. was one thing I did not like running back and forth, uh, end line to end line. Yeah. Um, I'm also wondering, of course, about your size, your dad's size. Mm-hmm. Where did, where did the size come from? I haven't met, uh, um, your, your mom or that side, um, the family, but w- w- where do you think that came from? Yeah. My family is, uh, I get it from both sides. Uh, yeah. my mom's side, my mom's tall for a woman. She's five eleven. uh, and my uncles that are on her side, um, that they're six, four, six, three. So there's height there. Uh, and then obviously on my dad's side, he skipped, it skipped a generation, even though there's height on his side. Uh, but my great grandfather and grandfathers um, were seven foot, seven one. Oh, so wow. there's there's heights. Uh, there's plenty of height in, in my gene pool. Um, so uh, it just happened to skip out over my father. Yeah. So mm-hmm. your dad, um, a mechanical engineer, mm-hmm. um, told me that you always enjoyed building things. Correct. As a kid, and mm-hmm. especially toy cars. Like you, to getting your hands on something and building it. Cause I wanted to find out where the, um, connection to engineering and the interest in engineering came from. And he, he went back to, to that time as a, as a, as a little kid. And, and, uh, <coughs> is that where you looking back and see also where your interest would have come in sort of construction? And I actually building? kind of forgot about the model cars that, uh, they would buy for me as a young kid. Uh, but yeah, definitely in, enjoyed the old school model cars that I uh, had and built uh, when I was little. But uh, Connex was a, a big thing. I don't know if kids remember that um, or adults at this age. Uh, it's such a long time ago, but I had a Connex set. I remember one Christmas I got the Ferris wheel and uh, I didn't even go outside. It was snowing, which is kind of rare in Portland. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in the house and built that up the, the entire day. Um, and then I, I liked BMX bikes. So I built ramps um, and stopped going off over the, off the curb uh, with my bike and just built my own ramp. Um, and I just had a lot of fun. I always liked playing with my hands and uh, in, in building things and being at the uh, job site with my dad, who's obviously a mechanical, mechanical engineer, as you mentioned. And uh, I kind of wanted to just follow his footsteps. Uh, it was something that was interesting to me. And my ultimate goal was even when I left college was still coming back to Portland, Oregon and helping my dad, uh, in that business. Uh, it's transitioned a little bit cause I took a little detour, but, uh, we still have fun. We still build things together. Uh, we're actually, we just finished a project, um, let's see last summer, uh, and getting ready to finish another one here, uh, hopefully in this, this February. You mentioned about aspirations after football or Mm -hmm. for later in your life. And actually talk to your dad about that, that even though you would be coming in a little later than, than most people would be starting in that field, uh, if you, if you devoted full time to it someday, Mm -hmm. you would bring a lot to the table because of just your life experiences. Correct. And I, I, I'm, I'm wondering is, is the idea of working full time or close to it Mm -hmm. in the engineering field, something you would be interested in someday? Uh, I think I've been exposed to so many different things uh, in my life, and I think there's a lot more that I want to be exposed to. Uh, But without question, I think I'll always have a a passion for development and want to continue it. Uh, It's something that I had when I was a little kid, and uh, it's not gone anywhere. And uh, it's more come from uh, just, like I said, my father and the, the want to always be working. And having there's something about when you dream of an idea and you think of something and you put it on paper, you develop it, and now you put it 
all together. And then you just take that pride and joy in saying, I built this. I was, a, I had hands in this beautiful thing that comes, that's come out of the ground. And really then people, other people, you see other people enjoying it. So I, I think whether that's single family homes, whether that's commercial buildings, whether that's apartments uh, or commercial space, I think I'm, I'm open to all of it. And, uh, and I, I've already started it. So it's, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a full-time thing as a, I, I think I, I, I don't consider myself a jack of all trades, but I, I want to be have my hands in multiple things. Yeah, the, the idea of of an engineering major in college, mm-hmm. combining that with uh, big time college sports, where you've got great responsibilities both on the field but also off with media and other things, and so many meetings, film study. That's just in, an insane combination to me. That that each one of them seems like a full time job. They say that about athletics. I think accurately. Yeah. Big time college sports is like a full time job, but being an engineering major has to be pretty close to it. How were you able to do both and go back to when you were in high school, coming out of high school, Grand High in Portland? Your top choice was Cal because it's engineering school, top three Mm -hmm. rated always in the country. Um, Can you take us back through the process of thinking, I can do this, and how it ended up going when you settled on Nebraska? Kind of take it from there. Yeah. So uh, Cal was one of my top schools that I looked at. Uh, I was top three as well as Oregon State and in Nebraska. Uh, and after I, I came to a decision of going to Nebraska, it really came down to the visits that, visits that I took. And, and I think Nebraska did the best job of intertwining and putting everything in one full package. Obviously, they're all separate. They're all different. They're going to have their own nuances uh, and own challenges. Uh, but Nebraska, in, in, in my particular opinion, as a young man, which is one of the toughest decisions I made, uh, but I think one of my greatest decisions that I made that my parents, and especially my mom, forced me to make on my own uh, was the best one to choose because there's the Keith Manns of the world, there's the Dennis Blancs of the world, there's the uh, Tom Osborns of the world, as well as the Bo Pelinis that all four of those gentlemen, as well as all the TAs and the assistants that were a huge part of my success, um, as well as my teammates were integral pieces of saying, you can do all these things. We're just going to have to time manage you. And we're going to, we're going to, you're going to be focused. You're going to be able to come to practice. You're going to get to get that job done. You're also going to be able to go to school and get that job done. We're going to move things around and we're going to have you, you're going to, you're going to be a face, a face of this program, uh, whether you like it or not, but the way you've been playing, the way you've been successful on the football field, being able to have that, we're, we need you to do that particular piece for us. And so, uh, all those different things ended up coming down to uh, peer time management, which was was a great thing for me to have as I moved into my professional career uh, and being able to compartmentalize things, uh, understand how to put one thing down, focus on it, and then pick up and move on to the next thing. And it was it was a great thing for me to to go through, and I saw a lot of success and a lot of learnings and a lot of challenges through it. And I think that's uh, one of the th- toughest decisions I had to make. It was the right decision. Was I was on the awards tour. At the uh, end of my senior year, uh, before our, our bowl game, and I had to make a decision to whether come out here to LA and win the Johnny Lott Award or go back and finish school. Uh, and I had a test I had to take, and I went back and took the test and graduated and left in December. And unfortunately, I didn't get that that award, but uh, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it seemed like then that Nebraska maybe had the best plan for you mm-hmm. on how you could combine football with engineering as opposed to they the other schools. They ultimately kept their word. 
Um, they said it was, it's not going to be easy and we're going to be able to do it. And I think the best example for me to say that, that they kept their word and they were truthfully all about being able to be successful in the classroom as well as on the football field and being able to combine those was when they created an extra chapter for me to be able to take a, a um, it was a, a lab that I needed to finish. Um, so there was, I took the class during the day, no problem, but there was a lab that was usually in the afternoons, but they made a night class so I could take the night class on Mondays. And it was one of my last three classes my senior year that I had to finish. So that, that was a question I had is, um, were there many conflicts? With ex- with, that was exactly what I was going to ask you. Any, yeah. Many conflicts with labs with the with the normal afternoon football practice times. Yeah, there was there was a couple, but there was one in particular that was only given in the fall, uh, which is terrible during the football season. And uh, most of the time I could get away with taking it in the spring or in the summer because I stayed around for summer with workouts and whatnot. And it was better off to just take classes uh, and get ahead, uh, especially because I, I wanted to have a lighter load during football season, only taking 12 credit hours with the spring. I was taking 18 and, and really in, in summer, I would probably get up to six or nine credits, uh, just depending on uh, what classes were available. So, uh, but it was this one, this one particular lab that was only from the school perspective was only allowed in the fall. So they worked with administration and, and we got an opportunity to get, have a night class, which was benefit, benefit, I benefited from that, but all also other students benefited from that. So it was something that, uh, I think it was great to be a trendsetter in that. Absolutely. So do you think that other schools, let's say starting with Cal, um, do you think that they were skeptical in any way of your ability to pull off both of those things, big time college sports and, and engineering? I don't know if they were skeptical. Uh, I, what my personal vision of Cal was when I took a visit there was that those two programs, football and academics, weren't one. They were two separate entities that didn't care about each other, didn't focus on. And I could understand and respect that because they're the number one engineering school outside of MIT and whatnot. And, and, and that's rightfully so. And I, I think they have their laser focus on what's best for their students and mm-hmm. they want to do that. And they don't mm-hmm. care if you're an athlete or not. Uh, they're not going to bend the rules. They're not going to do anything. And I didn't want them to bend the rules. I just wanted them to be able to work with me. So I had the opportunity to be there. And I just didn't have that gut feeling that that was going to be a situation there. And then Oregon State, there was nothing wrong there. They've got a, cr- a great construction management program, which I actually, which I gr- ended up graduating out of. And I just didn't want to be at home. Uh, half my high school goes to Oregon or Oregon State. So I didn't want to see half my uh, high school uh, in college as well. So I went to Nebraska. So when you were in school, in your classes, in engineering classes with those, with your, your fellow students, mm-hmm. um, were, were you just, the relationship you had with them. So this yeah. is another, <laughs> almost like another family outside of football. Yeah. You looking at them and what they were, I'm sure how gifted they were, and then vice versa looking at you like, maybe how, how, or did they even know much about you? <laughs> Trust me. Uh, there was uh, a lot of boys and even the young ladies in the classes as well knew, uh, I obviously played football and we, we worked together also with the architecture school, which I think was one of the, uh, interesting pieces that the construction management program had. You got to work with people that you're going to work with in your field. You're going to work with architects all the time when you're building stuff and whatnot. So, uh, we co-mingled and it was, there was some interesting groups, some interesting, uh, projects that we had to work together on. It was fun. Uh, I definitely got questions about football, but I, I had plenty of questions about engineering. And there was one particular guy, John Tinius. Uh, I don't know if he's out there, if he hears this, but uh, he was, it was a great guy. I enjoyed being around him. Uh, he was huge help to me and, and we worked together really well uh, as a particular group. 
Um, and so we had a lot of fun. Uh, there was friends that I still, I, I still keep in touch with, uh, every now and then. And, uh, and also there's, uh, there were some other football players that were in there as well. Um, I don't know if you guys know, um, what is his name? Henry. I'm drawing a blank on his name. It was one of our kickers at the time. He played for the Philadelphia Eagles that graduated from engineering as well. Yeah. Um, Alex Henry. Right. Right. Did you, did, did you, um, uh, did, did, football fans develop out of those engineering classes and, and, and your, your fellow students, um, that maybe weren't before. Um, seems like everybody that goes to Nebraska is, feels like is invested in big red, but oh yeah. <laughs> did, did you, did you, uh, did they follow football a little closer because of you? Uh, I wouldn't say they followed any closer. I think it just got, we had, they got in-depth questions answered right when i was uh, in class and whatnot and uh and i mean obviously never missed class because we only traveled on the weekends but um yeah i mean they were always in the student tech section and cheering and whatnot and so uh, i think our university was very close-knit and it was uh, it was a good situation and was it was it as difficult as challenging on the college level engineering as what you expected it to be to be able to pull it off it was for sure challenging. Um, I was always a kid that I was very, very lucky when I went to school, especially in high school, uh, even middle school, all I had to do was kind of show up and, uh, be, be one of those kids that were just paid attention in class. As long as I did that, uh, I could finish my work. I could think back to having high school basketball games or football games and being an English class and teacher she gives us what our assignments are. We go through some stuff and whatnot. And I've got 20 minutes left in class. I can finish my assignment and I can turn it in. Uh, and so what I did a lot of the time, uh, cause I didn't like doing work outside of school. Uh, when I was outside of school, I wanted to play sports. I wanted to hang out with my friends and do different things like that. But college really forced me to one, take advantage of tutors two, set aside time in study hall when I was a freshman. And then that study hall ended up coming into being a desk that I asked my dad and my parents to get me in my, uh, in my bedroom or in my condo that I had, um, to sit there and focus, turn off the TVs and get those, get that work done, go through the plans, create these projections, all this different stuff, especially the later years that I got into, we were working on real, real projects. And then I also found myself being in the lab, um, uh, with these, with these other students where I had to go and spend time engineering college because I had to use the software there and I didn't have the computer at home and whatnot. So, um, college definitely took a little bit more effort, uh, and, and, and definitely, uh, a lot more laser focused than it was in high school. So when I talk to my students that are athletes, um, and my classes are at night and they're long classes and, and then they'll say sometimes, man, you know, long days practice and then a long class. I mean, a sport as physical as football, it takes its toll. You know, and you finish practice, let's say typically six o'clock, was it four yep. to six? Are are you then able to almost like get like a second win to say now I got to go, I got to do, do you know, study for classes that are really rigorous? Did did you have enough energy at the end of a day to do that? <laughs> I would say I didn't have a choice. Uh, if I wanted to graduate, I had to have that energy. Uh, and even if those days that I I, I wasn't as focused, uh, I had to take the initiative to then go, go and follow up with the teacher and say, I didn't get this note in class. Can you resend this to me? Or can we sit down and go over this again? Because I didn't, I didn't really follow this. Um, I had trouble with statics. I had trouble with calculus. Um, and so with those different things, I, I took extra time with my teachers and, and the tutors to make sure I got it done. And 
got the grades that I needed to get and, uh, and leave, co- uh, leave college, excuse me, on a high note. It's great to hear. It feels like you had the same kind of determination off the field as you had on. Had to. My mom was, was a stickler of it. And then one thing that uh, I pride myself on is not letting my parents down. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to ever disappoint them. And until this day, being third, getting ready to be 32, uh, I still never want to see uh, my parents upset because they saw something, saw something I did that was disappointing to them. I'm just amazed that so few people seem to know this story, this part of your life, the, 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 the academic part. Like mm-hmm. I said, just the engineering, it, it's so demanding college. And, and I don't think any students in my class knew. I don't know if I didn't recall that I had heard about it or if I had, I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on um, the podcast was I think it's important um, and it sends such a great message to um, young people that might be following a similar path saying, I don't know whether I can do both. Maybe they have football coaches. I don't know that on the college level that might discourage it. You hear stories about that all the time. Well, let's, you know, take something that's where there's an easier path. Yeah, there's no question about that. And and I've come across that. I've been gracious to be a part of the Nike opening uh, that's been at uh, Nike World Headquarters in Portland, where I've obviously grown up and been around. And I'm I've obviously a, a, an athlete of one of, uh, one of their athletes and whatnot. And so uh, there's been a lot of kids that I've worked with and, and had fun with on the football field when they come up there and have that joyous time being an athlete. But uh, there, I've had some great one-on-one conversations with kids that have battled with wanting to say, all right, I've seen that you're an engineer. How did you do it? And, and should I really take on this task? And I was like, of course you should take on this task. If it's something that you truly want to do, you should nobody, nobody should deter you from wanting to do it, but also just understand it's going to be hard, hard work, but it's not something that you can't do because the hard work that you put into sports is the same hard work that you just got to do into your books and you'll be fine. It, 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 but it's really important for them to hear that yeah. because they may not have the same kind of support at home that you did. Correct. That's why I think yeah. their teachers also can be, I don't know whether you had a teacher along the way that was really helpful because you, um, you had so much support would, at home. I would say I had really good teachers uh, overall. There wasn't one particular, I would say, was more, uh, as I mentioned, the Dennis LeBlancs of the world that were our academic advisors that we had as football players. Uh, so once you come into the University of Nebraska, there's academic advisors that you stay with. Dennis was our head one. I has also had a young lady named Kim Shellpepper uh, who, was, who was like assigned to my, my class of guys that all came in. I think it was like 13 or 14 of us and whatnot. And so she sticks with us and, and Dennis as well. And I mean, I, I talk to them all the time. Like I talked to, I think I talked to Dennis maybe earlier this summer because I got to figure out a way to go back and finish my business mind. I got to take one class. And mm. so. And you'll have a, you have your construction engineering. <laughs> yeah, I'll have my have, uh, construction have management engineering and then I'll also have my business minor. Granted, I think that I should be able to get an honorary one, but it's it's just good for me to just go and finish that degree and uh, and get that business money. Yeah, I'm 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 glad. It's a great segue in business. I wanted to bring that up because another thing you said in class that stuck out. We were talking about people that you might have a idea of what they're like. It was Marcus Peters, mm-hmm. your teammate, and a guy that's had his own challenges and different things on the field, and and um, uh, and I was I was. Interested when you mentioned that some of the best conversations you've had about business is with Marcus Peters on um, plane flights home after road games yep. and a side of him again that I don't think is particularly well known. Can, can you share kind of like what your your mm-hmm. common ground is with with Marcus as far as the business world? Yeah, based on confidentiality and, and, and not putting his business out there, let alone myself. Yeah. 
there's a fund that we're both in. Um, and I didn't know that. Uh, and I, I knew his cousin, uh, Marshawn was, uh, and whatnot. And, and it was interesting just how that dialogue came to life. And Marshawn we, Lynch. Yeah. Marshawn yeah. Lynch. And yeah. so, uh, it was a great conversation and we've been able to have a lot of fun, uh, just talking about those different things. And MP is a smart kid. Uh, I think a lot of people see, uh, the rigidness of, of the way he may speak, the way he may act sometimes, uh, but not really understand that he's got a great soul and a great heart. And he's, Helps a lot of kids himself, and uh, at the same time, he does a great, tremendous job for his community back in Oakland, uh, as does Marshawn and whatnot. And so I think uh, I wasn't necessarily surprised, but I was just caught off guard for how early he was getting involved in certain things of this nature and, and setting up his future after football, especially because this is just his, he's just on his first deal and whatnot. And I'm on my, I'm on my third or fourth uh, now. So it's it's exciting to see that, and especially a, a guy that is is as talented as he is, uh, and being able to have those types of conversations. Because a lot of time on the, when you're on the, on the plane coming back from from games, guys just want to talk about the game or whatever else is going on in social media or whatever it may be. Yeah, and so you would go, or he would come to you, or you would go to him and sit down, and then and then just well, it's chop kinda, it up, whatever. It, yeah, it's kind of a, a, a free for all because we uh, when you, when we win coming back from games, we get to sit in first class. So the veterans guys just pick seats and kind of sit down. So we just happen to sit down to each other uh, a couple of those flights and uh, gone from there. Yeah. Um, again, I'm just thinking on on the business side um, and the things that you would like to accomplish as you sort of st start to set up your future. Um, have you, have you narrowed down to a couple of things that, um, I mean, you mentioned engineering and then just alluded to the business, um, things that, um, are of particular interest to you or something that, um, stands out that I think maybe something in society that you, you would like to see make a difference with. Uh, I think there's a handful of things that I, I, I want to put myself uh, and be involved in. Uh, I think speaking earlier, development is obviously one of those pieces. <coughs> Excuse me. And I would also say from a standpoint of, uh, I love being a part of boards. I'm on a board right now. Um, and I, I think uh, I want to continue to expand that uh, and be more uh, active in being a board member. Um, and so I think there's things that I can bring different diversity. Uh, and you mentioned uh, sports being real, being able to be related into business. And I think I, I, there's lots of things I've learned, uh, of how organizations are put together and things like that, that I can translation to translate into business. And, mm -hmm. uh, so finding ways to do that. Um, uh, I'm also very interested in helping other former athletes as well as current athletes, uh, grow their portfolios and do things like that. So I, th I think I just got to be creative how, uh, I continue to do those things. And I think there's some great people that have Started some good things. Uh, I know Caleb Thornhill is a guy that I highly respect, and uh, I was a part of one of his programs this past spring. Uh, he, he calls it ATU, Athlete Transition U, uh, which has been very successful and seen uh, to help a lot of uh, guys that are coming out of the league as well as that are in the league and who uh, are former players as well. Yeah. Um, as I look back at your, I mean, I, I think now about um, Nebraska. And the football program, which has gone undergone a lot of change over the last few years, and I know you're still close to the to the um, the people associated with the program. What, what's your thought on on where where things stand right now with uh, Scott Frost as the head coach and where he takes it from here? 
I think Scott Frost is a good choice. Uh, actually, um, what is the right word? I lobbied for him to be the uh, head football coach probably about three years ago, three, four years ago. Uh, he was at the University of Oregon, had a chance to meet with him, be around him, do see the successes that he had without offense and whatnot. And I think the transition that he's in right now is he has to kind of somewhat clean house, but also has a handful of, tr- uh, of freshmen that he has to get prepared for their second year. For hopefully they can have a big jump and get prepared to, to make a nice run in the Big Ten. Um, and, and I think overall, they got to be willing to have uh, take support uh, in, in all different shapes and forms. Uh, I, I have current conversations with the Board of Regents as well as AD, and uh, I want to be back a part of that program and help them in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not only from a booster perspective, but also from being able to help kids. And I, I've never been a person to steer uh, young men uh, or women to go to University of Nebraska. I've just say, just go take a look at it and then you give yourself and make an opinion after your visit. Uh, and usually most people fall in love with what they see uh, as I did and, and go from there. What's your thought on, on the talk today about <coughs> kind of, um, you know, reshaping, retooling how athletes are treated in the area of compensation that, um, we go from the traditional, just the scholarship that covers the basics to now with the money that's come into college sports, especially mm-hmm. in the power five conferences, it seems like there's plenty of money out there to maybe share, set up a different kind of a compensation system for players. What's, what's your thought as you see that? Yeah, I think that'd be great for, uh, all at professional or all athletes, excuse me, uh, student athletes in college. Uh, I think there was. Somebody, we're having a conversation. I forgot who I was having it with. I know it was in the locker room um, about, I think the SEC has something where they're able to give their players um, and student athletes uh, a stipend when they leave college. And I've always been a big uh, supporter of that just because the hard work, the things that you do, obviously you want to be able to go in there and get your degree. And I think that's first and foremost, and it's a great situation to get it for free per se, um, even though you're, you're doing hard hard work on the, on the football, basketball court, whatever it may be. And so how I look at it is that <clears throat> you may not get that money right away in college while you're there. Cause I don't think you need it at that particular point in time, but it gives you a stipend or something to go out and start and live in the real world. The real world isn't easy. Uh, and I was very fortunate to go right into the league and be able to come into money per se, but I've seen a lot of my close friends that I've gone to college with, uh, that have had some troubling times before they got on their feet because they're, they're hardworking, determined folks, uh, but leaving college and they were on full scholarship as well. And so, uh, and there's even college that are guys that are, uh, that are in college that have full scholarships that come out with debt, which is not, it shouldn't be that way, but this decisions that they've made, but at, at the same time, there's also things that people don't realize that things aren't always paid for as you think over the summer which is a three month period of time, especially if you don't go to school. So uh, it's, it's a tough situation in some aspects, in some respects. And I think uh, it should be heavily looked at. I would love to find a way to do that. I mean, create an annuity. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I resist the, the idea of calling it, you know, flat out paying players. I, I just say, how about increasing the stipend every month, mm-hmm. the, the amount of money you get, and then if you also want to supplement that with um, some kind of a trust fund that you get on the way out. Yeah. But I also wonder, does it do you any good? It does some good, but on the way out versus when you are going through those times that you're, you may be, you may be really tight 
to get yeah, through. Yeah, I think there was a combination of things, and and I think there's there's ways to to work around them. I know we had at our university the opportunity fund, which was a basically <clears throat> a simple concept of you had X amount of dollars that you had to go and spend on a, a card or debit card, credit card or debit card, and then you turn those receipts in and you got reimbursed. Um, so that was a way to kind of get through some times or you wanted to get something special or whatever it is, holidays, all those different things um, and whatnot, especially if you don't have that support from back home. Um, and for for me, I think the, the it's being able to have a combination of those opportunity funds as well as having something at the end because when you leave college, those bills come in very, very fast and very, very heavy, uh, mm-hmm. especially if, uh, if you don't really understand what you're getting yourself into. You want to get an apartment, you want to go get a new car, you want to go do these different things. And so for me, like I, I, I went on a somewhat of a, I had the awards tour and then I went on like an autograph tour where I actually was lucky enough to make some money and then be able, be able to buy a car and do some stuff like that. But not everybody's fortunate enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking about your, your sister, I got a chance to meet Gum, who mm-hmm. who who handles uh, a lot of your business affairs now. Correct. Was a pre med major at Mississippi State, played mm-hmm. soccer, put that on hold, and is on the business world helping you. Yeah. So, what was it like growing up in a household with four sisters? <laughs> you, you and you, you and your dad there. It was it was only one sister and Gum. Um, yeah. I have little. I got three little sisters that are that are young now yeah. that that came along in college. But it was it's great. I've always enjoyed being around my sister. Uh, I was always on her coattail, especially when she was in high school uh, and I was in middle school and I would go to her school and hang out with her for like the first 30 minutes of school. My school started a little bit later and and went to, uh, and then I walked across the street and went to my school. So it's been always good. I've always followed in my footsteps of my sister. And uh, the, the biggest thing that I learned from her was being able to be successful in high school, to be able to get a scholarship and go to college. Right. Uh, and then she obviously made a big Jump, as you mentioned, to to not pursue her uh, wants to be in the medical field to help me and uh, and push me along in my in my business endeavors, as well as just kind of getting me set up. Uh, like I was saying a few minutes ago about how difficult it is to one go sign up for an apartment, transport all your stuff from University of Nebraska going to now Michigan and getting all these different pieces. Getting it, she was she's been a tremendous help to me, and and it. It's definitely something I, I do not uh, take for granted. That's amazing. Just within your family, you've got somebody who majored in engineering and somebody who was pre-med. I don't know if the, you could come up with two, two, yeah, she, uh, two she, academic she, profiles that are more she, challenging as a division one athlete. Yeah. She pushed the envelope. Sure. Uh, and I had to, I had to train one upper with engineering degree. I don't know <laughs> if I did too much, but yeah, she's uh she's for sure uh, a very sharp young lady and, and very proud of my older sister. And she continues to grow and, and push me at the same time. And then you guys can be great role models for, for, for the younger sisters. Yes, for my younger sisters. They've got a tough road ahead of themselves. They've got a lot of things that they need to accomplish. And uh, they're in middle school now and elementary. So uh, they'll, they'll have their, their thumbprints uh, on this world hopefully soon. And then, um, again, thinking of your dad in soccer, when did you become an Arsenal supporter and fan? <laughs> Arsenal supporter. I've always been one. Uh, and why Arsenal? Arsenal because of Thierry Henry, honestly. Uh, he's been a, a, a guy that I remember as a little kid watching him play and being very successful there um, and was very fortunate. I became even more of a fan of him when I was in, I think it was 2011. I went and watched the game. I was over there for the Super Bowl uh, and watched him play. He was back on loan from the Red Bulls and uh, got to meet him in the locker room. He signed a jersey for my dad. I framed it and took it back to my dad. And 
we've honestly kept in touch. I, I wow. saw him last year when we were in London. We played against, uh, we're playing, Miami was playing somebody over there. Uh, he came and supported. He's also close friends with um, JHI. So he's just been a good human being and somebody to, uh, to stay connected with. Now, does he have a suit jersey? <laughs> he does not have a suit jersey. I need to get him one. Yes. At least. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, if you guys go on and, and win the Super Bowl, yeah. I'm sure that would be a prize thing for him to get uh, the Super Bowl jersey from no question. one of the we best. Gotta go, we got to go get that Super Bowl though first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so off the wall a little bit, but but the the, the money, the, the fines over the years, something in the neighborhood of quarter of a million, $260,000, $70,000. If you had that money back, mm-hmm. let's say just say, said, you know, we've decided to give that money back with the stipulation being you have to now turn it into something. You can't keep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. it has to go outside the family, whatever project, you know, something, something productive and positive for that money. W- what, where would you, what would you do with the money if you, if you had it back to be able to give? Uh, would, it would go to my private foundation, which is kind of back into my, my feed, or it could go into, um, let's see, I mean, I have support a basketball team. Um, I help other people in, in, in their de- endeavors. Um, so from schooling, putting, put it into another scholarship per se, uh, for a young lady, uh, hopefully can support, um, my, my third scholarship recipient that's going to come up this year as a second one just graduated this December. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of ways that we could put that money to work. And, uh, are you lobbying for me to be able to get that money? Back? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually you, your foundation did tell us about what it, um, you know, what it, what it represents and what you'd like to do. Yeah, your vision with it. My foundation has always been something that's close to me. Uh, it's my family foundation. It's health, wellness, uh, international outreach. Um, and it's, there's a lot of different things that go into it. And I, I choose to uh, be very, very quiet about it just because it's, it's not important to me to be publicized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the biggest focus for me is to be able to just be able to help other folks um, because of the platform that I've been provided, um, in, in this particular world. So, uh, I, I use that as an avenue to do that. And, uh, I have a lot of success and a lot of fun to be able to just sit back and kind of be this puppeteer that just moves the strings and, and does some successful things, uh, with my sister, with my mother and my father, and, uh, as well, as well as other people that have uh, been supportive of my team. You signed a one-year deal with mm-hmm. the Rams. Um, I'm thinking that being in LA, being in a market this size and the people, the connections and contacts that you've been able to make, mm-hmm. um, has been a, a really positive thing. So what's your thought, uh, looking beyond and was the plan always for one year this time and then, and then see, see how you're feeling after the end of the year? Truthfully, uh, I want to get back to the market. Uh, I want to touch a true free agency market. Uh, I think People that understand football um, and the, the nuances of how those things work, uh, nobody kind of expected for me to be hit the market last year. Um, it destroyed the Miami Dolphins in their caps <laughs> for me to, to be cut. So uh, hoorah to the person who made that decision. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I wanted to bet on myself and understand that I, I, I wanted to see where I was, what I was getting myself into. Uh, it was to a new team <clears throat> here in LA. Sean McVay is obviously a great coach, done a tremendous job uh, so far, and, and been very truthful and transparent for everything that we've 
encounter this particular year. So I would love to come back here. Uh, it, it's not necessarily my decision uh, solely. I think there has to be a mutual understanding between both sides. Um, and I think that's why, like I did this past spring, was take true visits so I could sit down and have those conversations. So uh, I'll probably go through that same particular path, um, just depending on how things evolve. But really not a big focus for me right now. We've got a, a good solid month of uh, success to, to reap and today's the fifth. Uh, so hopefully uh, we're hosting a trophy uh, a month and two days earlier from now. I wanted to ask you what, if you'd had a vision in just your own mind of what that moment might be like. Uh, it'll be in Atlanta, mm -hmm. Super Bowl 53. Um, you know, they always talk about envisioning success. If you're going to have it, you have to envision it. Do you, do you have an idea of what the, that moment could be like? Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I've thought about it a couple of times and, uh, it's my, my girlfriend actually just moved from, uh, Atlanta this past spring. So to live together and, uh, that was a great thing. So it'd be kind of sweet to go back there and, and host a trophy back where I picked her uh, and plucked <laughs> her away from. Um, and I think overall, uh, I think it'd be, it's going to, it'd be fun. And in, in overall, it's, it's, it, it'd be an exciting time, but at the same time, uh, I don't know what to truly expect. I've never been in a situation like that. Uh, I've won championship before, uh, and shot put and, uh, and some championships in basketball and whatnot and tournaments, stuff like that. So, uh, something of this magnitude, uh, I, I just soak it up. Well, it would be, um, it would be an unbelievable thing for I think the city of Los Angeles to, to, to have uh, pro football just back here for just the third year after a 20 year absence. So it'd be an unbelievable uh, accomplishment. Something would be great pride to the city and yep. so many uh, uh, long suffering Rams fans that are just having the, a time of their lives. I think watching this team evolve under, under Sean McVay and, and um, you know, and players such as yourself. So um, wish you nothing but the best going forward. and really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Like I said, I, I wanted, I thought it was important to, for more people to hear your story. No. It's an important one and, and, and kudos to you for, for doing what you've done. And, and I appreciate it. It's, uh, it's always good to be a part of a, a solid platform that gives uh, an ability to speak and, and people to listen and, and be able to truthfully hear from the horse's mouth, uh, how they view things. And then obviously you can make your opinion from there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really appreciate it. And uh, again, wish you uh, great success moving forward the rest of the season into the future. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. All right.